year feels like a year has a year's worth of events have happened since the we last, last four days. It feels like. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, welcome to what is now the season finale. We made it. You made it. You made it. We all made it. And you're probably thinking, oh, the season finale. I'm not ready. Well, it's time. Um, but we're hoping that this episode will be a lot of fun. And yeah. Good. Good. Good recap of what's happened. Maybe you'll look forward to what's coming next, and we will be back in the future with a great season two. Have a great list of episodes. Really looking forward to it. We've been yes. brainstorming for a while. So. It's going to be fire and dope at the same time. No. Um, but those, those expectations, I think, are a little. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> but we do have a couple things in the interim. One, we we did something new. What did, what did you do, Patrick? You made something new. Oh, for the show? Oh, yeah, for the show. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about the art I was I was no, drawing earlier. Doesn't count. <laughs> uh, so we do have a Twitter account now. It's very exciting. That's right. Uh, it's at no dinner for you. That's the number four view. It's pretty easy to find. Uh, we just did this. We felt like it was a, a good way to quickly uh, just spread the information about episodes that we were releasing. Also, ideas. We want to kind of cloud source, brainstorm ideas from everyone else. Yes. Uh, if, if you have something crazy happen to you over the Thanksgiving dinner table and you're like, dang, these guys really need to talk about it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Tweet at us and, and we'll be able to talk about it. Yeah. Tweet. Uh, and we could even do polls on there. Ask your opinion on stuff. That's great. Um, so yeah, if you haven't followed us yet, if you're on Twitter, if you do the tweeting, um, get on there, follow us and we'd love to chat with you yeah, and, yeah. and think about definitely if you have suggestions for season two what do you want to hear about and if you're not on twitter that's probably a good choice for your mental health you're maybe the most <laughs> stressful thing in the world right yes, now so. you're probably in a better place but if yeah. you are like the rest of us and you're not good at taking care of your own mental well-being then just uh you know join us in that so. <laughs> we'll suffer together yes so, we'll do it. so we'll do it. today we're talking about a very uh Important topic, but emotionally charged. Emotionally well. charged. Yeah. What we're gonna try to do in this episode, uh, with Patrick's help, is <laughs> walk through. Like we've all lived the election, right? We all mm-hmm. watched the news mm-hmm. way too much, checked our phones way too much. We've all gotten really upset at various times. Yes. So yeah. we're not gonna try to rehash each of those points. We are gonna try to summarize that and then very look briefly. At, yeah, briefly yeah. summarize that. Look at some things that maybe the news didn't report. Some things that might be important for us to know moving forward, and then kind of look into yeah, what's maybe next for our nation, and think about even how religion plays into that. So it's a mm-hmm. good episode. Mm-hmm. You're, hopefully you're going to enjoy it. Thanks for joining us for this whole season. It's been a blast. Yeah. And uh, we're happy to go out with a bang. So thanks for tuning in. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year and Happy Easter. Uh, yeah. You know we can't finish the season without a final McManus movie corner. I'm so excited. This is a good oh, one. Uh, yeah. This is a underrated one. You maybe have heard of it. My guess is you probably haven't watched it. Well, we've it. been really building up for this the whole yeah. season. Every movie was an act before the Hint- finale. Hinting at this specific thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been dropping the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this movie is really about two characters that are very different people. And they must go on a quest, a journey, if you will. Together. Together. Yes. To find something. And that something is a clownfish. No, oh. it's a clownfish because Finding Nemo is not 
Man. It's not the movie corner. You one thought, of these days. You thought that it would, if any episode is going to be this one. No, it's not this episode. One of these days. But, no. Uh, everything I said is true, though. This movie, uh, I'll just I'll just kill the suspense now. The movie is called The Two Popes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have heard it. If you are a Netflix subscriber, you've probably seen them pop it up. And you're like, I All don't want to watch that. That yeah. looks boring. <laughs> I don't blame you. But um, I was on a flight at some point last year and i had nothing else to do mm-hmm. so i watched this movie and i actually was really pleasantly surprised hey nice. it was a very enjoyable movie um and it's called the two popes it came out on netflix exclusively so it was one of those uh, best picture nominees it got nominated for best picture last year mm. um it's one of those nominees that was one of those netflix exclusives like marriage story was like that yeah irishman yep, was like that. i remember the two yeah. popes was on there they pushed pretty hard um, for that and it's still on there so if you are a netflix subscri- subscriber you don't have to rent it you can just watch it um, but basically, essentially, this movie is, um, it's, the, the basic story is, and it's based in real fact, these are real people that are in the movie, um, and it's Pope Benedict, who is the previous pope, so not the current pope that's, you know, leading the Catholic Church, but the mm-hmm. one before. <laughs> who retired. Who retired, yeah. Yep. Um, and Pope Francis, who is the current pope, who you've probably heard about in the news. It's both of them being played by actors. Um, and it's exploring their relationship. So they actually have a really interesting relationship. They're hmm. pretty good friends, yeah. um, but everything on paper says they shouldn't be. So you have um, Pope um, Benedict, who comes yeah. from Germany, he comes from a very conservative, traditional approach to Catholicism. Okay. You know, his whole idea is preserving you know, the, the orthodoxy of the Catholic Church, hmm. and that's kind of how he led as a pope in general. Yeah. Um, And then you have Pope Francis, who, if you've seen anything about in the news, is very different as a pope. He's from Latin America, Mm -hmm. not from Argentina, where most popes have generally been from. He has a much more progressive approach to leading the Catholic Church. Um, So he's been been very open in his theology in a lot of different aspects. Yes, and has made a lot of changes in the Catholic Church. And so, once again, these two guys come from different parts of the world, on paper, completely different beliefs about faith about politics about Hmm. what it means to be a leader um and yet we found that they're friends and we don't we know that they've spent significant time together um we know that they have had a lot of dialogue and that they have somehow found some common ground and and had actually a really interesting and and cool relationship as two people who would should be diametrically opposed yeah um so what this movie does is it kind of brings you into that conversation and kind of takes notes from both of their lives and things that they've said throughout their careers and lives Hmm. um, as clergy people and as popes. Um, And it kind of writes the story of what may have happened when they were in the room together to start as enemies and end as friends. So it's, it's based off of, you know, fact, we know that these people had a relationship that they met together, Yeah, but we have no idea what that was like or what they talked about. And, Mm -hmm. And this film is kind of, guesswork a little bit but like yeah. making making these educated guesses on what that would have been like exactly that's yeah. oh i like that. it's real okay. it's a great interesting premise and also yeah. most of the dialogue is actually taken from things that they've said in other contexts okay so it's yeah. not i mean in some ways it's putting words in their mouth but in a lot of ways it's not sure um, and it's really it's trying to, to represent them fairly yeah and it's yeah. building empathy for them so it's a super interesting movie and i know mm. that like I said, you know, it's not one of those things that you see in your Netflix queue and you're like, oh, I'm going to click on this. This is like super exciting. But I've, as someone who is interested in religion and politics, mm. um, I found it to be really compelling. The dialogue is super well written. The acting, I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price play the two leads. Oh, They're yeah. amazing actors and they really capture the characters really well. 
um, and just seeing the evolution of their relationship throughout the movie. That's really what the whole movie is built on. It's yeah. just these yeah. two dudes, and and <laughs> I'm sure that you know it's probably I probably shouldn't call the Pope a, just a dude. You know those two, those two dudes. <laughs> You're telling I, uh, everyone that you're not Catholic. I'm not Catholic, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I, 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 from from what it sounds like, even for those of us who aren't Catholic, yeah, um, it, it's extremely valuable to recognize that you know this is the largest single Christian denomination in the world mm-hmm. and has been for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. Um, and, and and these are two individuals who are going to be not just in the public eye through their lifetimes but for mm-hmm. centuries after yeah um uh, because of their actions and because of the way that they have changed the world really in, in their theology mm-hmm. um and that's fa- i mean that's fascinating who wouldn't want to learn about yeah. people who are that impactful and important living today i, I yes i love that yeah. yeah and as someone who is not at all catholic um I, my assumption going in the movie was, you know, well, will this really be interesting to me? But, mm. man, I mean, the conversations that they have, the way that they develop both their characters and, and tell you more of their stories, it's yeah. incredibly compelling. And regardless of whether you're religious or not or whether you um, – yeah, whether this – this the, the surface level of, okay, the Vatican and the Vatican Council and, mm. you know, that that's a part of the movie too is like how they were both elected and what that process looks like, how they lobby for that position, sure, how the sure. power is kind of moved around. Like it digs you into those things and you would think those would be turnoffs, but really they, they invite you into the story um, in mm. a really cool way. So yeah. would highly recommend the movie. Um, it'd be great to watch with your family or friends during the holiday season. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, would I, I actually might over the dinner to, table? Uh, yeah, I have watch to it. watch it over the dinner table. <laughs> it's it's on brand, but there you go. It's the two popes. Um, high recommend. Check it out on Netflix. Awesome. Uh, out of out of two hundred and sixty six popes, how many popes would you rate it? I think that's the number. There have been. Is that the number? I think that's how many popes there. Let me. So out, you 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 start okay. tabulating and I'll out confirm. of two hundred and sixty six popes, man. I would probably give it a, yeah two sixty six two sixty six. I would probably give it. I don't know two hundred and fifteen. Ooh, that's pretty good. That's a lot of popes. That's pretty good. That's a that's a whole lot of popes. That's a lot of history there. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. So there you go. All right, two popes. Check it out. All right, you've been waiting for it. I'm, Let's talk about here. this yeah. last week all right. <laughs> in American history. I don't know if we even need to preface it with anything. You all have kind of, I'm certain. You know you, what happened. You, you have a general idea. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's just jump. It's almost been a week. Election yeah. night was Tuesday, yeah. uh, November 3rd. I can't believe it's been less than a week. It feels like a month. Yeah. Um, everything that's gone on, but... Uh, just a very quick recap of everything that we have seen in the news generally, and then we'll get into maybe what, what it looks like going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. The end of election night, there were a couple states that hadn't called yet. Um, the the electoral vote totals were having Biden at 223 and Trump at 213. So a 10-vote difference. It was all very close. Anyone's game. Um, Trump actually was doing uh, better than a lot of people expected. You know, yeah. they had called... 
three battleground states for him on election night. They called Ohio, Florida, and Iowa for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he stopped Texas from from being more competitive, which Biden was hoping. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty good in the Trump camp, but it was also pretty all right for the Democrats as well. Yep. Um, Biden won Minnesota pretty easily. Mm-hmm. That was a state that Trump was hoping to flip. Uh, didn't happen at all. Um, and Biden was staying very competitive in all of the states that hadn't been called yet. Yes. Um, had, had been saying pretty consistently that when all votes had been counted, he would pull ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, we know now that that is what happened, but mm-hmm. getting ahead of myself. So then um, I think we all remember 2.30-ish uh, on Wednesday, just mm-hmm. like in the middle of the night, Trump had a big... Um, uh, press conference at the White House declared victory. Yeah, claimed he won these states that no one had been calling yet. States like Michigan, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. There were still millions of votes that hadn't been counted. Mm-hmm. Um, about 20 minutes after that, uh, the Associated Press and then Fox News uh, called Arizona for Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a couple other places a lot longer. Some places haven't called it yet still. Yeah, but it's pretty generally agreed that Biden has has a, a an insurmountable total yeah. there. He's a projected winner, um, which was yeah. the first flipped seat. Um, later on Wednesday, Biden would also flip and win Wisconsin and Michigan, as well as the Nebraska second district, which is Omaha, mm-hmm. Nebraska and Maine. If you remember, if you've listened to any of the news, they're the two states that give it based on congressional district, mm-hmm. not overall. Um, Trump also won something that day. He won Maine's second district, mm-hmm. which meant that the total at the end of Wednesday, the day after the election was 261 Biden and 214 Trump, if you count Arizona. Yeah, which put Biden nine away. I think people remember going to bed that night, yeah, yeah. <laughs> having no idea Pretty what was stressed. going on. We might wake up with a new president. We might not. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, that next day, Thursday, there weren't any states called. Mm-hmm. Um, Biden uh, closed the lead on Trump in in Pennsylvania and Georgia. He still led in Nevada, but it was still it was really close. The thi- the things that were important Thursday were three different lawsuits, and this is something that wasn't really talked about much. Yeah. at all in the news, focused yeah. only on the, the election results and the votes. But there were three lawsuits on Thursday, the 5th, uh, lodged by the Trump campaign, uh, all of which were dismissed uh, in three different states. So Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan. In Pennsylvania, the, the Trump campaign sued to stop all Pennsylvania vote counting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were claiming that they had no observers in the room, no, no election poll watchers in the room uh-huh. uh each each party gets to send a couple people uh into each place but it's all decided based on state um it, this was dismissed and thrown out after the trump lawyer admitted in court that they actually did have observers in the room the suit was dismissed uh, in georgia the trump campaign claimed that ballots uh that arrived after the deadline were being counted uh, and they said that this was something illegal under Georgia state law. The judge dismissed this case uh, because the Trump campaign did not provide any evidence of what they were claiming when asked in state court. Uh, and then in Michigan, uh, the Trump campaign sued to try and stop the vote counting. Uh, and this was dismissed. This is my favorite one because the judge pointed out to them uh, that the vote counting in Michigan had already been completed. Uh, that state had already been called. There were less than, you know, a couple thousand votes left. Um, so this whole time, Trump is claiming victories, calling for the count to be stopped. It was a big mess. We all remember this. Yes. Um, and then that Friday, November 6th, uh, Biden finally took the lead in, in Pennsylvania and Georgia. This was a trend that we had been seeing for, for some time. 
the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who is a, a Republican elected official, announced that there would be a recount in Georgia because of the small margin. Uh, Biden led by, by a couple thousand at this point on Friday. Um, right now, I just checked, he's actually leading by a little over 14,000, so he's increased his lead. Mm -hmm. uh, if you remember in 2016, Trump won both Michigan and Wisconsin by less than 10,000 votes. Um, so this is, this is a significant margin uh, currently for Biden. And finally, uh, the big thing was Saturday, about, about 1130, I think yes. CNN reported first and everyone else. Yeah. Uh, ABC, NBC, Associated Fox Press, News, Fox AP. News. Yeah, yeah, all of them uh, declared Biden the winner of Pennsylvania after getting a couple more votes in from Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. uh, the two largest cities, uh, which put him over 270 votes and winning the, the presidential election. Yes. Um, and then after Saturday, after all this happened, uh, I kind of stopped paying attention to the news because it yeah, was a lot of so stressful. Did. But yeah. I did I did check in just a little bit. Um, they've called a couple other states. They've called uh, Nevada for Biden, mm -hmm. which he has been leading in the whole time. So his yeah. six votes, the six votes there go for Biden. Um, they've called both Alaska and North Carolina to Trump, mm -hmm. which he has also, again, been leading in for some time. So ni neither of these were surprises. Yeah. Um, Georgia is still the only state right now that remains uncalled, mm -hmm. although people are all pretty certain that it would be a Biden win based on the, the margin there. Um, but at the end of the day, it also doesn't really matter for the end result of the presidential election. He's still over 270. Um, so the current vote total right now is Biden is at 290 and Trump is at 232. Uh, if Biden does win Georgia, when they call Georgia, uh, he'll be at 306 to Trump's 232 which coincidentally is the exact margin of the 2016 election mm. uh, that Trump won. Uh, so those are just some quick yeah, walkthroughs of, of, yeah. of everything going on. Play by just play. happened. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we have all our news sites. We have our favorite news sites to tell us all of that. Yes. Who needs us for that? Uh, so let's talk about a couple other things. Uh, let's talk actually first about uh, the race that uh, maybe the two races that are getting maybe the most attention now mm -hmm. aren't the presidential race. The, there's mm -hmm. two Senate races still yes. haven't been called, and they're not going to be called until after the end of the year. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk at all about this? Yeah, sure. So um, if you were watching the news or maybe you've been following this, you know that the House of Representatives, there's three <laughs> three major things that, are, that have potential change, right? Yeah. Presidential office, which yep. we have the answer on, the House and the Senate. So the House, which previously had a Democratic majority, maintained their Democratic majority, mm -hmm. did not um, really, did not go further than a lot of people expected it would, sure, but still yeah. maintains a pretty strong yeah. lead of Democrat. Mm -hmm. um, the Senate, on the other hand, which, you had know, a, had a Republican has, majority. Yeah, yep. a Republican majority. Um, there hasn't been answers on that because, I had to do some research on this, but essentially Georgia, come on, Georgia. Georgia is the Georgia's problem home. here. Um, <laughs> but basically what happened is uh, each state, and I think you'll talk about this more, Patrick, mm -hmm. you know, each state has their own laws for how elections work. And mm -hmm. so it looks different in each place. That's why some places had different, count, counted at different times. That's why some places mm -hmm. have these different districts. It's each state has their own ways they handle elections. So mm -hmm. in Georgia, for the Senate race, um, a senator has to get, over 50 percent of the vote or over to, to win. win outright yeah, to win okay. so um with two senate races in georgia 
there were people who had the majority of the votes, but did not. No one got over fifty percent. Interesting in Georgia. Okay. And also, I don't know exactly how this works. If you live in Georgia, you know this. Please tweet at us and tell me. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like Georgia doesn't have a primary, or if they do, it doesn't. It doesn't roll it down to one Democrat, one Republican. So in both Senate races, huh. there's multiple Democrats, multiple Republicans running for the so same seat. That kind seat. of splits the vote. It up a little split bit. the vote all over the place. So you had, you know, one person who's getting like a Democrat got like twenty percent, the Republican got twenty six percent, but then you have another Republican with ten percent, and oh, on and on. And shoot. so no one yeah. got even in one race. It was very close. Um, the Republican Purdue, who's the current senator, current senator yeah. incumbent, uh, got forty nine point seven. So he's point three away from oh. getting fifty percent, but he didn't win it because he has to have fifty percent per Georgia law. Okay. So what essentially what's happened now is they are doing a runoff again, and they're taking the two leaders, you know, one leader for, from each for party each, for each race, for right? each race. Okay. And there's going to be two separate Senate races, and the voting is going to happen in January. So they're mm-hmm. going to re. So now it, now people are going to go back to the polls in Georgia and pick which senator they want, and they're only going to have one choice for each. So that way, someone will have to get 50%. And does that 50% rule apply? That wouldn't apply in the runoff then, would it? Well, it doesn't have to because someone's going to get 50% regardless. There's only two people. Mm. Um, so they're they've near, basically they did a primary during the main election, and now they're just doing the main election, which I don't know. Like I said, I don't know why that happens, but that's a big thing that's up in the air. because and So that election is January 5th. January 5th, So correct. right at the beginning yeah. of the year. Yeah. So uh-huh. how that hap- how whatever happens there will determine who has the majority in the Senate. As of right now, you're looking at um, – there's currently 48 Democrats in the Senate and 50 Republicans, and there's two seats. So it could be a tie, sure. it's so, 50 each, or it could be one and one. It's, so what happens, yeah. I, I actually was curious about this, and, and I did a little research. The, mm-hmm. uh, the Republicans currently have you know 50 senators elected. Yeah. Yeah. If they win either one of these races, they will have a majority Correct. Yeah. Uh, in the Senate. However, if the Democratic Party wins both of these races mm-hmm. um and right now it seems like both of them are incredibly up in the air no one has really any clue yeah i think yeah. if you if you tally the overall vote um to me mm-hmm. i'm no political analyst but sure. to me it looks like the republican sure has the upper hand in both although you know it is georgia it's not but it it's is not exactly surprising yeah but... it's not surprising but we, yeah we <laughs> but, also you know don't it's know. 2020 also so it's also knows? 2020 who knows what's going uh happen. yeah but but if the if the Democrats win you know both of these they'll also be at fifty so then you'll have you know fifty yes. Democratic senators fifty Republican senators what happens mm-hmm. is uh, the vice president becomes the tiebreaker in these votes so so Vice President elect Harris Kamala uh-huh. Harris would have a very busy <laughs> oh, my next two years uh, mm-hmm. because essentially anything that needed to be passed by a Democratic majority a potential majority mm-hmm. um, would have to have that fifty first vote. Um, so either way, it's going to be a huge, it, it's, it's so tight in the Senate yeah. that whoever wins, it's going to be very close. Yeah. Um, both, both parties, uh, flipped some seats this time around mm-hmm. and had vulnerable incumbents win. So, so it's been, it's been a lot of offense and defense in the Senate for both of them. Yeah. Uh, that's a fascinating thing to watch. So if you are interested in politics, but you're, you've been, you know, just drained by the presidential election, you don't want to get into it. Yeah. Uh, talk to people about Georgia because yeah. most people don't have any idea. Or if you live in Georgia, kind of make sure you go vote. You know, you you're getting another chance to vote in January. Make sure yeah. you go do that, yeah, just like absolutely. you did for president. For sure, um, for sure. Yeah. So okay, we, hopefully that's a, a recap, Patrick. Thank you for walking through that. We've yeah. walked through 
the House, the Senate, the President, some of those things. But mm. let's let's pivot and take yeah. us to what what else is it important for us to know as American citizens? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think what's been made abundantly clear um, from the last several days, week or so, uh, is uh, the recognition that uh, the system we have today uh, functions because we decide that we are going to live with the system we have today, the electoral system we have. Correct. Um, that's, that's a pretty bare bones part of democracy. There's no magic glue holding everything together. It's the consent of the people. Um, it, it's called you know, popularism often, that the, the consent of the majority of people is what gives our, our, uh, our uh, systems strength, mm-hmm. what gives our institutions strength. Mm-hmm. It's not you know, a rich king who decides that God has given him strength to do whatever he wants. We've moved past that. Yeah. And now it's we as the people, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the core part of, of much of American democracy. So prefacing with that, um, it's been fascinating to see uh, looking at an election that is based on a system that the majority of people believe in and advocate for, how many people don't want to believe in and advocate for this election? Um, and, and it's, it's been, it's been this weird, yeah, you know, the, the, the concepts of, of, um, rule of law and peaceful transfer, these are not things that are required. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, well, rule of law is required, but, but a peaceful transfer, um, is something that's expected. It's decorum. And, and for the last, you know, 200 years, it's been a pretty civil process, except for that one Mm -hmm. time when there's maybe an uncivil event that happened. Um, started well, well, not started, but but catalyzed by an election mm-hmm. uh, of of President Lincoln. Um, but we now have a president who has decided that, um, despite all evidence to the contrary, not only is he going to refuse to concede, and not only is he going to claim that he won, but he's mm-hmm. going to claim that he won in in face of institutional fraud and institutional mm-hmm. rigging, mm-hmm. Um, which. You know, uh, if we took the time to consider, has has never been it's it, it's it's never been you know accomplished before in this country. It, it would be mm-hmm. something on such a massive scale to say that the oldest political party in this country, the Democratic Party, is mm-hmm. uh, rigging an entire national election. Would uh, it's it's hard to even comprehend how that would happen, yeah. right? It, it hasn't hasn't happened. There has been no evidence <laughs> to show that it has happened. Yeah. Um, even though you know there have been a lot of things posted on Facebook, but but the Trump campaign is still very set on we're going to take this to court, mm-hmm. um, as is their legal right to do. You can you can take things to court, you can sue, mm-hmm. but you can't really do much in court if you don't provide evidence. So yeah. so I, I, I highlighted a couple things during the election, a couple suits mm-hmm. that were dismissed. Um, they've actually since the election have had twelve suits in mm-hmm. various states that have been dismissed uh, because there has been either an inability to provide evidence mm-hmm. or. Um, uh, testimony from people who are willing to testify that they've seen examples of voter fraud, they have recanted mm. that testimony and said, actually, yeah. I'm not so certain that this happened. Hmm. Um, I do want to say that there there are minor you know, problems that happen. There's always yeah. uh, some issues on voter rolls, but nationally, it's, it's never... It's never, never at a enough wide to enough sway scale an to sway election. anything. Yeah. Also, um, I mean, many people have said this via the internet, but I do find it interesting that, let's say if the Democratic Party has been rigging this thing for Biden the whole time, <laughs> somehow they also have not won the Senate yet. Like, it's looking like the Senate will be a Republican majority. Sure. Couldn't they have also rigged the Senate? 
Well, and they were, they were leading in a lot of Senate races that they ended up losing, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. Why, so why wouldn't they have won the Senate? Why wouldn't they have increased their hold on the House of Representatives? Why wouldn't yeah. they have, have won the presidential race by a wider margin? They lost mm-hmm. battleground states that they expected to win. Remember, yeah. Biden expected to win Florida. Yeah, Biden hoped to win North Carolina. Biden expected possibly to win Ohio. He lost all, all three of those states. Mm-hmm. Um, he was planning on being very competitive in Texas. He was not nearly as competitive as he hoped to be in texas yeah um so so just to kind of think about it a little logically um if if you are hearing some folks or maybe you have some thoughts as well i think it's very fine to to be critical of things you're reading in the news of things you're seeing Mm -hmm. but i think you also have to think about it logically and say well would this have happened and if this had happened would we have the result we have now Mm-hmm. Um, this was an incredibly close election mm-hmm. when you look at the Electoral College and you yes. look at these battleground states. It's very clear, you know, over 70 million Americans voted for President Trump. He has a very mm-hmm. strong base of support. Yep. He increased his turnout from 2016. This is not a matter of, you know, uh, uh, of, of him being wholesalely rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened is, is uh, President-elect Biden happened to turn out more people mm-hmm. in a couple key states. Yeah. which is very similar to what happened in, in 2016 for, for President Trump. Yeah. Um, so, so what we're seeing is not unusual. Mm-hmm. It's not um, an attempted coup by a party. Um, but it's, it's, it's worrying, as someone who studied political science, it's worrying to think about maybe the impact this has on future elections, on future presidents mm. after Trump, after Biden, um, when we are so politically polarized that we can't even see what's right in front of us that someone won and someone lost yeah just like every election before um whether or not you like the winner or you love the loser it, it it's it's what it is yeah. um and i i think the best thing for the institutions is to try and move forward yeah. within that mm-hmm. right um as americans who care about uh, working together to achieve things rather than infighting to try and tear each other down. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing to do. You can still have disagreements. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I think it's encouraged. Yeah. Have strong political disagreements. Um, care about what you believe in, mm-hmm. but recognize that uh, we have a system that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> often if you win the popular vote and if you win enough states, you you win i mean that's yeah. just how it, that's yeah. what it well, is and also i think <laughs> i don't know what else to say yeah. about that no yeah. to add to that i think um so every major media source has called this election both somewhere like fox news that's more um conservative thinking and somewhere like cnn that's much more liberal thinking mm-hmm. and then people that are maybe somewhere in the middle like associated press sure um, they have all called the election unanimously unanimously mm-hmm. people in both campaigns have Conceded, key leaders sure. in the Trump campaign and in the Biden campaign yeah. have agreed. Well, and and there have been, uh, you know, current Republican office holders who recognize Biden as president-elect. Yeah. Uh, I think just today, the governor of Ohio, who's a Republican, yeah. um, recognized it. Uh, Senator Romney has congratulated him. Senator mm-hmm. Collins. You also have world leaders, right? You have people mm-hmm. all the way from Angela Merkel in Germany, Boris Johnson in in the UK, mm-hmm. to uh, more authoritarian people, people like Putin, people mm-hmm. like Erdogan. In, in Turkey, these people have all, you know, recognized the results of this election. Yeah. So this is something that isn't just, you know, one party saying one thing, one party saying another. It is an international recognition <laughs> and one candidate uh, refusing to accept that he has lost at one thing in life. And, and I think that's damaging both for his legacy yeah. <laughs> as president yeah. um, when he could, you know, 
previously call upon all of these accomplishments for the you know Republican Party for conservatives in this country mm -hmm. um, what a lot of people are going to look back on now is how he has responded to this election loss and yeah. I think that's that's pretty frustrating yeah. as uh, an American yeah. Yeah. as an American yeah. citizen it's pretty frustrating <laughs> yeah um, but so okay now moving forward sure now that we can hopefully agree okay Biden is going to be president for the next four years mm -hmm. um, what now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and, and thankfully, we've had uh, quite a few elections in this country. We've kind of not streamlined, but we formalized this process. So we know what's going to happen next, right? Mm -hmm. um, we know, uh, as we've seen very clearly, every state, because of the federalist system we have, mm -hmm. uh, where we have a, a relatively strong federal government that, that allows a level of decentralized power, which means each state can set their own laws, do their own thing with all sorts of different stuff, stuff like taxes, stuff like uh, different drugs that are legal, stuff like fines, stuff like elections. Mm -hmm. Every state uh, has different laws, different rules when it comes to elections. And we know that that is why some states, uh, you know, had results on election night and some states took three or four days. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same with what happens after the election, right? Um, so every state has different laws that allow for... Um, uh, criteria for election recounts. Mm -hmm. So in some states, there's a certain margin of difference. That means you can call a recount. So like Georgia, mm -hmm. um, Georgia has called an automatic recount. It was not requested by other party mm -hmm. because it was in within their margin for their laws. Yeah. But a state like, like Michigan uh, will only have a recount if it is asked by one of the parties and if there is less than a 1% difference uh, between the votes. Mm -hmm. So because I'm pretty certain right now uh, the margin is larger than 1% in Michigan. Yeah. A recount can't happen in Michigan, but it can in Georgia. Okay. So uh, these things are available to happen until about December 8th, like nationally. Okay. Uh, for, for some states, that cutoff is a lot sooner, mm -hmm. but for other states, it's, it's all the way until there. Um, but basically, there, there is a, a U.S. federal law that says, you know, every state has to settle these disputes, these, these recounts, these legal actions by December 8th. Um, so by December 8th, all of the, like, these lawsuits that are being put forward by the mm -hmm. states, these cannot happen anymore, okay. uh, according to federal law. Mm -hmm. uh, so by December 8th, all of that will be over. Uh, what happens after that is December 14th, uh, six days after the, the electoral college votes. Mm -hmm. So the, the numbers that we've seen on all the different states, yeah. uh, those numbers are the number of... Um, members of the House of Representatives uh, each state has, plus your two senators. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, a very unpopulated state like North Dakota has three, because they have one representative and two senators. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, California with the largest number, uh, with 53 representatives, two senators. Mm -hmm. So uh, all of those folks are going to get together, and they're going to commit the votes, uh, and every state uh, has laws that determine how those votes are committed. Now for 48 of our 50 states, it is whoever wins the majority of the votes in our state gets all of our votes, mm -hmm. right? Um, for Nebraska and for Maine, they divide it based on their congressional districts. I think they both have, uh, uh, Maine has two congressional districts, uh, Nebraska has three, yeah. um, and then they also give one vote to whoever won the popular vote. But those are the only two states that do it differently. They're special. They're, they're special. <laughs> and we can talk about that at another time if we, if we need to. But, um, but that will happen. Yeah. Uh, that will happen on December 14th. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's when when you know these elections can't be contested in court anymore, and when the electoral college will meet. Uh, oh, the District of Columbia does that as well. DC has has yeah. electoral votes, and so even to, just for that number, what yeah. Politico is projecting right now is. 290 of those are going to Biden, 217 sure. are going to so Trump. So basically, yeah, that's very easy. You need a simple majority of yeah. those votes. 270. Which is 270. Yeah. Which we all which saw the news. The majority, you know. yeah. yeah. So it's 270. That number might change uh, after the census and after they release new numbers because it's mm-hmm. based on the population, Yeah. right? Uh, uh, to a certain extent. It, it, yeah. it tries to proportion proportionalize it, you know. Sure. So yeah. then what happens next? Uh, so then after that, there's a couple formal processes um, basically, it, it's solidified. It's 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 concrete after December fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, they wait a couple days on December twenty third. They have a ceremony um, where all of those people who voted also go to Congress in Washington D.C. and they, they like submit party? they submit them. Uh, you know, a lot of these laws are based uh, are are left over from uh, you know when you had to you know travel to to bring news to people. Yeah. Right when you had to travel six days to tell someone. Uh, oh, this person won our state, and then another six days to go tell Congress. Yeah. Oh, we voted for this person. But there's still formalities. But it, you know, yeah. they're formalities. That's why. That's why inauguration takes place so long after the election as well. Yeah. Um, but this is, you know, it's a formality. You might see some news about it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if they still even do this because of COVID. If they're yeah. gonna even bother bringing a couple hundred people together, maybe into they'll this just one space. zoom together and like, that, that's possible. Their hands. That might be kind of weird. <laughs> um, but then. Uh, Congress technically counts the electoral votes. This doesn't take any time also at all. Also a formality. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, on January 20th, the new president is sworn in. Or, you know, if, if a current president wins re-election, then they are re-sworn in. Yep. There's always, every four years, an inauguration, mm-hmm. whether or not a president won or lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, current president-elect Biden and vice president-elect Harris will be sworn in. Uh, outside the United States Capitol building on January 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple days before, uh, January 6th, I think, we're going to know about the Senate race. Yeah. So, and then January 20th, we have a new president, new administration, new Congress, new everything. Um, and we move forward from there. Uh, I'm not expecting a whole lot to be very different in the way we interact politically after that, uh, yeah. but it will certainly be interesting to see how a President Biden would maybe undo some of President's, President Trump's policies and, yeah. and put forward some new ones, see the similarities, see the differences. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to talk about that you know, when it happens because we can only speculate yeah. right now. Yeah. But that's what we know. We know these things. We know, you know December 14th is when that's all going to be submitted. We know mm-hmm. he's going to be inaugurated January 20th. Nice. That's yeah. very helpful. It's a good timeline. And so that mm-hmm. way... Mm-hmm. We don't have to keep maybe guessing and yeah. checking the news. What's going to happen out. next? Yeah, I, you yeah. don't have to check the news about this thing anymore if you don't need to. I, <laughs> really, like sometimes it's better just to relax about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious. Maybe we could chat about some of the things that just culturally and maybe even religiously happened mm. in the past week and maybe looking forward a few things sure. that stand out sure. about that. So anything uh, maybe to start with with that about this new administration? And yeah, yeah. We've seen. Well, I mean, I think... Um, it's important to note that both, well, all you know, all four people running for president and vice president this year are all Christian. Mm-hmm. They all make that very public. Both uh, President Trump, Vice President Pence, and Biden and Harris are all mm-hmm. Christian. That's that's a open and public part of their persona, who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, Biden, uh, President-elect Biden, will be only the second president 
that we've had who is a, a practicing Catholic, the first mm-hmm. being JFK, John F. Kennedy. Yep. Um, and uh, Biden's been really interesting because he's been in the public eye for so long. Mm-hmm. We've really been able to see how his, um, his policy perspectives have changed, yep. also based on how maybe his faith has changed a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's natural for any person who's, who's a person of faith over a long period of time. You know, yes. the things you believe change. Yes. Um, but we've Go seen... back and listen to our episodes about <laughs> yeah. our own. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and we see, I think this is especially evident in the way that he uh, looks at the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, the 80s and the 90s, as, as senator, he had a very different perspective on crime and, and how to respond to high crime rates than he does now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it, he's talked about it being based on, on concepts of restorative justice, mm-hmm. uh, things that are, are newer, but definitely still components of Catholic theology. Yep. Um, liberation theology, that kind of thing, caring for the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very evident in what he talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, in his acceptance speech, he actually, I, 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 I imagine most of you caught this, but he he referenced uh, a Bible verse and he also referenced a hymn, which in itself referenced parts of the Bible. Yes, um, yeah, so, so he, he mentioned he, Ecclesiastes. It was, it was very, you know, part of his faith, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. he mentioned Ecclesiastes, Mm-hmm. Talk about a time to heal. That was a, a big part of it. Yeah. And then he also, it's, I, I found it kind of funny that he said, I'm going to quote this hymn and the hymn is a direct quote of a Bible verse. So it was <laughs> yeah. Psalm, He's um, quoting this hymn, quoting this verse. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Psalm 91. You could fact check me on that, but it's, hmm. he was quoting a Psalm about, you know, being raised on eagles, eagles wings. So I do, I found mm-hmm. that interesting too, just from a religious standpoint to, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, this previous administration has appealed to faith a lot and we found sure. 81% of evangelicals voted in 2016 for the Trump administration and it's looking like that num- those numbers are pretty similar this time around as well. I think it has gone down marginally down a little not, bit, maybe a couple a percentage, yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah, to have as you mentioned, all four people are appealing to faith. The way they appeal to faith is different, but also um you know, there has been a lot of conversation around the Democratic Party not always appealing to faith. And it's, sure. it's it, even in the primaries, I've been watching this for the last year plus, and mm-hmm. it has been a, a new area and um, and was interesting. You know, I, I also have heard a lot of rhetoric about, a lot, a lot of fear from Christians especially, that mm-hmm. this administration is going to maybe, you know, attack their religious liberty or is putting their religious liberty in danger. I've heard that from several places. Mm-hmm. Um and so I find interesting that in his acceptance speech he's quoting Bible verses, and yet there's a, a large a large portion of the co- country that is fearful about religious freedoms yeah. coming under attack. It's fascinating. Um, yeah. Just an interesting point I thought I'd bring mm-hmm. up. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, the Catholic piece is interesting, and even the movie we talked about. Sure. I think that's one of the reasons I want to bring it up. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is looking at how that interacts, and and it's a historic thing. Also, I mean, it's I'm sure every news source said this, but. You know, we're getting a woman vice president for the first time in American history who is also pretty remarkable. Yeah. Also a black woman, also yeah. an, an Asian American. So Kamala yeah. Harris's um, father is from Jamaica, um, and then her mother is from India. Hmm. And so a lot of firsts just in Kamala Harris being elected. Yeah. Um, and then also Biden is a first in the, in the Catholic, Catholic yeah. thing you mentioned. So yeah. a lot of firsts that... Or, you know, second for Biden. Second, second yeah, second sorry, Catholic. second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kamala Harris is making a lot more history than Biden, <laughs> at least, uh, yeah, in that department. <laughs> yeah, well, and and uh, I, I think we do, yeah, I mean, we want to make it clear, like, uh, Biden is, is a practicing person of faith. He is a practicing yeah. Catholic. 
Um, he goes to mass every Sunday. He went to mass on election day mm-hmm. as well. Um, it, it, it's a very important part of who he is. He actually, he, he has two different memoirs. His most recent one is called Promises to Keep um, on Life and Politics. And he talks about uh, his faith there as well. I, I want to read a, a direct quote from that book. Um, he says, I'm as much a cultural Catholic as I am a theological Catholic. My idea of self, of family, of community, of the wider world comes straight from my religion. It's not so much the Bible, the Beatitudes, the Ten Sacraments, uh, the Ten Commandments, the, the sacraments or the prayers I learned. It's the culture. Um, so, so it's fascinating. He's not just talking about, you know, this doctrine he follows, mm-hmm. but he's talking about the way that influences everything else in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's met, he's had a couple high level meetings with the Pope who we talked mm-hmm. about, Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he's, he's tried to even in the primary, make it clear that this was a distinguishing feature. Yeah. from a lot of other the, a lot of the other democratic candidates mm-hmm. um, uh, he, he's really tried to, to put himself as a person of faith who will fight for everybody mm-hmm. um, and and uh, I think there there's something respectable about that to a certain extent so yeah I think um, as a as a piece of rhetoric it's interesting and I personally I'll just be very intrigued to see you know what that looks like how does is he going to be someone who appeals to faith a lot? Is that something that's maybe a little more personal for him? I mean, sure, you know, when sure. Trump was asked directly about faith earlier in his administration, he said, it's something personal. I don't like talking about it. Hmm. And, you know, he's mentioned Bible verses and there's there's different cases of that. But sure. that's something that he kept pretty close to the chest. Mike Pence, not so much. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm curious, how will this administration interact with faith? What will mm. their rhetoric be? What will their policy be? And what will their rhetoric be? Those are different things. In, well, and in I think... I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is my bias coming through or anything, but I think I think the incoming administration maybe highlights the the uh, a more a more clear reflection of, of political di- uh, sorry religious diversity in this country mm-hmm. than the last one. Right, we had two um, uh, uh, a president and a vice president who both came from very evangelical traditional backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, and that's certainly a very large part of this of, of this country. But now yeah. we have you know, a, um, a president and first lady who are practicing Catholics. We have mm-hmm. an incoming vice president who is uh, a Baptist who comes from a, a strong Baptist background who also mm-hmm. has family who are Hindu, mm-hmm. who is married to a man who is Jewish, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, there's this wide diversity there. Um, and I, I, I am, I'm fascinated to see if that, if that influences the way they talk to Americans on the public stage, mm-hmm. uh, if that influences their policies, or, or if that is, you know, like we've seen previously, something that they kind of keep private. Yeah. Um, also, knowing that the vast majority of the largest religious block of voters, evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. did not vote for them by and large. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting tension that we're going to be. It is. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, but we and we don't know what that'll look like. Yeah. Um, we don't. We'll have to wait until January to find out. So I guess so. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Man, wow. We've just zoomed through it all. Hopefully that's helpful for people listening as far as, okay, what just happened? I feel (laughs) like that's what a lot of people are asking right now. What just happened and then maybe what to expect. Um, Any Mm. other final thoughts, Patrick, about... um, Yeah, I... I think, you know, uh, our, our tension, like our emotions uh, run a little high every presidential election. <laughs> um, we all get a little frustrated with people who believe differently or maybe saying things differently. I think that's especially um, evident now, maybe even more evident when each side 
feels like the other side are saying things that are fake or not mm-hmm. true, um, uh, some of which might have more merit than others. Yeah. But um, I would really encourage you all to try, uh, especially over the dinner table, don't, mm-hmm. don't hesitate from talking about these things. Don't hesitate to recognize each other's differences. Don't, don't try to avoid talking about the election or avoid talking about COVID or religion. Um, but, but instead, you know, approach it from a, from a point of love and a point of wanting to understand, mm-hmm. right? We can talk all we want about how crazy and how terrible the other side is or those people who don't believe like me are. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if we're not taking the further step to try and understand maybe why they believe different things. I think we're doing, you know, a disservice to them and to us, recognizing that that they are very capable of, of thinking through things and coming to different conclusions than I am. Um, so please, yeah, like like don't don't pretend this election didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we could do that. Um, but also, you know, remember that uh, if if you're spending Thanksgiving with family, if you're spending Christmas with family, um, or just this holiday season. Uh, uh, remember that that these are still people that you care for and that you love and that have loved ones um, and treat them with that level of respect I think even even as you talk about these differences yeah Mm -hmm. dang that's a good word Patrick (laughs) that's a good word and that's how we're closing season one of Night at the Dinner Table we did it we did it you did it thanks Mm -hmm. so much for joining us Um, it really has been a pleasure and a privilege to do this and uh yeah, we, we've appreciated the feedback so much and appreciate you guys continuing to tune in. We'll certainly, you know, keep keep tweeting out some updates, posting yep. some updates. Yep. Uh, we might be doing some sort of special in-between season episode. Ooh, we'll spoilers. See. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Not saying much, but... Yep, yeah. you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and, uh, stay on your toes. Yes, but once again, thank you for joining us for season one. Mm. Um, it's been a real blast and we're excited for the future and what that may look like. So, uh, and, and also I think it's funny that the show is called not at the dinner table and <laughs> you said, bring it up at the dinner table. Bring so it up. let's do it. Let's don't, do it. L- don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> bring it up at the dinner table. Hopefully maybe awesome. Wow. I feel like we should sing a song, but I don't. Have those. <laughs> we're not seeing goodbye. Okay. Kumbaya. It's over. <laughs>